Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to the Deeply Discussing Dexter podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm here with Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hi. And today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 9, Father Knows Best. Uh, This is a fairly streamlined episode. There are only two storylines in it. Uh, One is the... Uh, the main storyline, the, the actual Father Knows Best storyline uh, with Dexter, Deb, Rudy, and Rita. And the other is a kind of all-by-itself, uh, self, self-contained uh, story about Angel and Dokes. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I really enjoyed the Father Knows Best storyline. Um, the Doke storyline was pointless. It was it was pointless, and it, yeah, yeah. I thought this one was hit or miss. There were things about it I really liked, and things that I thought were just meh. Agreed. I couldn't remember if I had finished this episode or not. Apparently, I did because I have notes about it. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm right there, hit or miss. It was, yeah, there's some good stuff, some bad stuff, you know. Yeah, I think the Angel Dose plotline is really weak. Uh, it's really just, like, we have these other characters, what are we going to do with them? And they have this very, very short arc. If you take what they do out of the episode, it's only taken, you know, like, ten minutes of screen time out of it. Um, and we... We don't learn a whole lot about any of the characters, uh, although it does define Angel a little bit better than he has been before. He's kind of the the protagonist of that that second story, but the real meat of this of this episode is this sort of uh, crazy double date couples weekend thing that ends up happening, uh, and we watch. We watch Rudy for the first time around Deb and Dexter, knowing that he is the Ice Trick Killer. So I think that part of it's really strong. Well, let's just talk through the Dokes and Angel thing first and get it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so they're driving. This is how it starts off. And yeah, this this whole thing, even the setup of it was was like eye-rolling. But okay, they're driving along. Angel's bitching about his wife's difference of opinion of what a separation is he said it's where you work things out and she said it's what you do before you get divorced Doke suddenly has Angel stop the car chases a man down under an overpass which I always love seeing Dokes run it's the funniest thing ever (laughs) Angel gets out of the car we hear two shots from that direction but don't see who did the shooting the man Dokes was following is dead has a gun in his hand and then it cuts to later where they're working the crime scene Dexter's there on a pylon looking at the blood spatter. LaGuardia shows up and tries to get an account from Dokes and Angel. Dexter points out that the blood spatter does not agree with Dokes' account of the shooting, and Dokes says that Dexter's a fucking creep job, and Dexter makes, like, the silliest face ever. Like, he's grinning because he's at a crime scene, and he's grinning because he got under Dokes' skin, and it's just really funny. Um, and then Angel's also concerned about the inconsistencies. He hears the shots in reverse order. He knows what uh, a thirty-eight sounds like versus what Dokes' gun is, which I think he was shooting in a nine. Yeah, nine ways. millimeter. 
most police officers use nines. So, um, yeah, that's the opening of this of this plot line, and it's really just a Dokes is lying about the situation. It's fairly obvious right away that he's lying about it, and it's a question of whether or not Angel is going to back him up or rat him out. It was so obvious. He might as well have been like sprinkling crack on the dude and like rubbing down over the burner <laughs> gun to throw down by the body. It was it was such a bad scene. Yeah, I I titled this whole section of the episode "Doke Shot First," like a reference to Han mm-hmm. shot first because mm-hmm. <laughs> Dokes is saying he didn't shoot first, but Angel knows that he did. So, um, so there's just going to be a discussion on the internet for years and years and years about who shot first, yeah. Dokes or the Haitian guy. And well, only, until only, the special edition comes out. Right. We need George True. Lucas to weigh in on this. Yeah. Um, the next thing that happens is Angel confronts Dexter and asks if he's sure, asks if he is sure that Dokes' version of events doesn't add up. He confirms that they don't add up. Is this where he... Uh... Where he says that he didn't invent physics. Yes. Such a good line. <laughs> Best line of the episode, I'm calling it. <laughs> uh, Angel talks to Dokes about the shooting. Angel said he's pretty hurt. He, share, he heard Dokes shoot first. And they start yelling at each other, look where to pulls them apart. And then we don't see what happens after that. But that's just the end of that scene. Angel gives his statement to Eternal Affairs. He backs up Dokes' story. So we figure, okay, Angel's decided to back him up and then the next time that we see Angel it looks like he's in a car by himself and he's talking about the fact that you know he, t- he promised his dying father that he would be an honest man it turns out there's an in- internal affairs guy in the back seat and uh, Angel confirms to him that Dokes did indeed fire first so he does he ends up doing both he uh he first backs up Dokes officially, and then unofficially he rats him out. Yeah, uh, when did IA, the internal affairs stuff, turn into Deep Throat? No like. doubt. Like, <laughs> in that scene, is so cloak and dagger. The guy is just, like, he might as well be, like, the smoking man from X-Files. So secretive <laughs> yeah. and everything. And then... And then he gets out of the car and he realizes it's in the police garage. Like, who are you trying to keep this secret from? <laughs> like, hey, Angel, uh, I saw you out there talking to yourself. Uh, there was nobody in the back seat. Clearly, um, you everything cool, man? Like, you, you you need to talk it out. Well, in my mind, the like sit in my back seat and I'll come and talk to you has to be Angel's idea. Like that has to be his conscience killing him and him deciding <laughs> that that's the way he's going to tell IA about it. And so he's the one that comes up with the with the cunning plan to. You know, just be talking to himself in his car and the other guy kind of ducked down behind the back seat. The return of Sad Angel. <laughs> well, and what was even the purpose of the way they cut it where it looks like he's talking to himself and then it pans back? Like, what are you even trying to convey? It was just the whole scene was just terrible. So, yeah. And then he plays X's nose on his head for a while. LaGuardia talks to Dokes about who the man Dokes shot real identity is. And Dokes recounts the story about this Haitian death squad and their crimes. LaGuardia says that if the man Doke shot was one of the men in the death squad, that he deserved a lot worse than he got. Dokes also kind of makes a under his breath uh, thinking about, you know, yeah, this will be over soon. Like, he already knows that this is going to get 
squashed. And then the next time we see anybody on this story, it's Angel bursting into LaGuardia's office and saying, you had the case dropped? LaGuardia says that DC contacted them and said it was a sensitive case. And Angel said, and then I ratted him out. And then he walks out of LaGuardia's office and some random uniform guy walks by and says, squeak, squeak. And Dokes is there and yells at him and tells him to apologize to his superior. So Dokes, like, didn't... He didn't care what Angel did. I think, if anything, he respects Angel more for telling the truth about what happened. But he knew all along that he was going to get away with this. Well, I mean, Dokes, at his core, is an honest cop. I mean, bad shooting aside. Uh... So, yeah, I, w- I would think this is a, a scene of mutual respect. And I think the whole point of this, the, this storyline in this episode is to establish that Batista and Dokes are honest and trustworthy. It just doesn't have a place in this episode. Like, I think that the performances were pretty good, and it just doesn't fit. Just like, why are we hearing about this right now? It also, like, helps differentiate those two characters, because... Angel's honest to a fault um, and has little control over what happens when he is honest. Um, His honesty is what ruined his marriage. That's what he's talking about at the beginning. Um, He actually admitted to his wife that he cheated. Otherwise, they probably would still be together. Um, And it's his honesty that gets him in trouble here, too. Um, Whereas with Dokes, Dokes has secret... Uh, there are secret agents in the wings that are helping Dokes out with stuff because he was special forces or whatever it was that he was uh, when he was dealing with the Haitian death squad. This one, this this storyline was just, it, it was burned by the writers. The, going back to the books, the second book the entirety of that second book follows up these events, this shooting. And so it's it's like this really important thing in the books, and they're just like, eh, there, it's done. Yeah, like I said, I think it's really just a case of they wrote a really good a really great episode about Deb, Dexarudi, and Rita, and then they needed to do something with the other characters, and this is what they did. Very misplaced. Right. They they were like, hey, oh, remember those other characters? Oh, we got to figure something for them to do. Otherwise, people are going to forget about them. Oh, yeah, let's have that Dokes thing come into play now. Good idea. I mean, I, I don't know what else those people could be working on in this episode, so. <laughs> um, but to get to the, the main story arc, uh, the father-knows-best side of things, uh, Dexter is showering at Rita's. He makes some comment about how hard it is to find time to himself now that he's got a girlfriend and he's allowed to stay overnight. And she interrupts him. She interrupts him to join him in the in the shower. Then both Cody and Astro come in as well. Rita makes a sorry one bathroom house kind of thing. Um, Cody notices a scar on Dexter's torso. Dexter claims he got it in a sword fight that he won. That scar is a uh, continuity error. Um, It moves around in the second season. It's like switches sides, and then it kind of disappears completely as the seasons go on. Be on the lookout for that scar, season two. (laughs) It's like psych with the pineapple. Where was the scar? (laughs) 
back at Miami Metro, Deb is pestering Dexter to go on a double date with Rudy. Uh, Dexter throws the whole last double date they went on back in her face. And then Dexter gets a registered letter from a man claiming to be his biological father. There's a flashback to Harry showing Dexter his new birth certificate. Harry tells young Dexter and Deb that Dexter's parents died in a tragic accident. Dexter explains the will to Rita. Rita says, you're obviously too overwhelmed to feel this because Dexter's talking about it all with absolutely no emotion in his voice. And so she decides that she needs to go along with him to help him out and deal with everything. Um, Then there's a creepy shot of Deb. Like, the camera's, like, right up on her, and she's naked and asleep with eerie music as Rudy kind of moves around the outside of the bed. It's the first time we see Rudy in the episodes. It's the first time... We've seen him since finding out that he's the the ice trick killer. And uh, he touches a pair of scissors. Deb wakes up. She says, did I fall asleep? Rudy says, sex like that takes a lot out of a person. Deb tells Rudy about the will situation. Rudy asks what she, when she's going. She tells him she's not. Rudy manipulates her into going. Uh, then Paul shows up at Rita's to complain about her canceling his supervised visit. Dexter shows up just in time and defuses the situation by playing dumb. Like, hey, we gotta go. Uh, Dexter and Rita pull up to the house. Rita is talking about how junk food is the unwritten rule of the road. So, go, Rita. Um, and an old woman mm-hmm. comes out from the house across the street. She tries to pressure Dexter into cleaning her gutters. And as they open the door and walk in, the music cues to some like Danny Elfman style quirky horror thing. And Rita says, Bachelor lived here, that's for sure. This this scene was hokey, but I kind of want to go back to where Dexter gets a certified letter and Deb just kind of takes it away from him and then wanders off into the background to open it. Um, when she comes back to talk to Dexter about what it is, she gets ridiculously angry for no reason whatsoever. No, there... They talk about it later. It comes back. Well, I know it comes back, but it's still, like, ridiculous. It doesn't have a lot of emotional control. I mean, her... She's angry and doesn't explain why for quite a while in this episode. It's not until near the end that we that she actually says what it, what's on her mind. Why she's so upset by the, the possibility that this guy could be Dexter's father. Well, in the... When she hands it to him, she's like, it must be a mistake. Dad said he's dead. Right. Yeah. And then she just gets really mad because he's looking at it and even considers it and storms off. It's it's just a ridiculous reaction to what news he just got. Yeah, I mean, she she worships Harry. And so anything that says that Harry was lying to her is a affront to her. That's that's her reason behind that. And I think she always feels really threatened by anything that in any way, shape, or form connects to family and Dexter. She automatically just goes off the rails if she feels like anything is threatening her view of Harry or her relationship with Dexter. She just wears her heart on her sleeve and pouts and stomps off at just about anything that in any way, shape, or form is a threat to that. Yeah, anything that comes between her and Dexter, she's automatically enraged about. Yeah. Dexter and Rita find a picture of the dead man posing with a bowling team. Deb and Rudy show up. 
Rudy just hugs Dexter out of the blue. Um, it is the first time he's seen Dexter on the show. Uh, Rudy says, I've been waiting a long time to meet you. He kisses Rita on the cheek. We're all watching this with bated breath because we know <clears throat> his identity. And then everyone pressures Dexter into staying at the house to save money while they pack everything. Uh, Dexter thinks to himself, how did death turn into a couple's weekend? Luckily, I got here before most of the people, or luckily I get up before most people, and then Rudy offers him coffee. So Rudy's on to him immediately. Uh, <clears throat> he tries to talk Dexter into letting him go along with him to the morgue. Dexter says no. He goes and stares at the body. The body has a spiderweb tattoo. Uh, the mortician claims that the guy's a Vietnam vet, and Dexter says the tattoo is a prison tattoo. He pushes back against the idea that it was a heart attack. He thinks that it was uh, diabetic insulin after he was sedated. Uh, Dexter has a flashback where he remembers the tattoo. Uh, he sneaks a syringe of the guy's blood out of his heart and sends it to Masuka to do a DNA test. Uh, when Masuka answers the phone, he says, I thought you were with your girlfriend this weekend. What is she serving the Crimson Wave? God, I hate Masuka. I hate Masuka. <laughs> Masuka's so good. Why didn't anybody about? kill Masuka off? <laughs> they, they, they promoted him to regular on season two. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I forgot about that. Maybe that's when I fell out of favor with the show. I don't know. God. Uh, there's another flashback where Dexter fell on a fence and is bleeding in the hospital. In the flashback, Carrie and Dexter's foster mother start talking about the, the fact that Dexter has a very rare blood type. Um, and so this is Dexter starting to remember that it's possible that there was this other guy that was his dad, or this, this, at least this other guy that was a, a blood type matched him. So there's a lot to unpack each of these segments there's a lot to unpack because we get more and more and more but um yeah the whole uh, the first of all it's weird enough to just have a, rudy be there when he opens the door like i don't know if i ever go to someone else's house even with someone i'm in a relationship with that i've never met before and have me be the first person that's at the door and be like hey <laughs> you know like that's such a such a so bold move on rudy uh, you know to he just can't just, help himself yeah, he's so excited to meet Dexter. He almost pushed Deb out of the way. He does. He's like, yeah. God. And uh, brothers don't shake hands. Or, what are you going to say? <laughs> serial killers don't shake hands. Serial killers got a hug. Um, well, and Deb sees yeah. the whole thing and misinterprets it. She's like, isn't he great? Yeah, exactly. Well, they're going to be best friends. She's so excited. She actually gets a little jealous of it later <laughs> in the episode. Because she's dead. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking so uh, speaking of that spiderweb tattoo that the dad has, and then he's like, "Oh no, he's a it's a it's a prison tat." Um, so I have a spiderweb tattoo on my elbow, much similar to the one that dad has, and I did not know at the time the significance of it or Ooh. what it could potentially mean. And and throughout throughout the years, I've had people tell me they're like, yeah, you could that could be seen as a as a prison tat or some sort of like uh, affiliated tat or uh, so you know. It's like yeah, uh, and which is funny because like when I first the first time I ever saw Dexter was about the time that I got the tat. You think I would have remember like taken the lesson and like remembered that, but no. 
And so uh, here we are. I'll get 88 instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now we get the truth about Zach and his time in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's not just the design. Uh, Dexter's also talking about the ink itself and that it was a True. prison technique that it was used to put it in. I love how indignant the doctor gets. He's like, "Boy, I, I must. I know I'm. I just know what a heart attack looks like, doctor." <laughs> But he goes on frozen caveman lawyer on him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just a simple small town doctor, but I know a heart attack when I see one. <laughs> so as they go through uh, the man's belongings, they can't find any evidence of him before 30 years ago. Rudy puts on a record and gets Deb and Rita dancing, which leads to a montage of them packing and dancing. Uh, Paul calls Rita sloppy drunk complaining about not getting to go to the circus with the kids. Rita threatens him about his visitation situation and tells him to hang up. Dexter says there's nothing in this house that connects us. Camera pans over Dexter's shoulder to Rudy which is a great little there is something in this house that connects you. Rudy says hiding out and then Rudy brings up the fact that Harry may have lied in the flashback the doctor tells Dexter that Harry knew someone who could donate blood for Dexter it's heavily implied that the dead man could really be Dexter's biological father. But why did we have the packing and dancing montage? Can somebody explain to me why we had to do another montage to music? Last episode we had Deb singing into the trophy. This episode they're dancing on the couch and packing and it's just like a, a bad 80s movie. Every, every scene that has some sort of menial task has to have a montage. Otherwise, it's going to last three episodes. I guess. Oh, man. I just... Those two scenes, last episode and this one, it just takes me out of the show. It just doesn't quite gel for me. It's just too cliched. I feel like those music licenses were some kind of package deal. And they're like, well, we got all these songs. We might as well use one of them. Let's have Deb dance on the couch. Yeah, that's. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Rudy playing Deb again, like doing exactly what he knows will get her excited. Even got Dexter dancing for a second. Yeah, sort of. They, he just kind of shakes his <laughs> shoulders. His fingers. Uh, they have to find a good way to uh, give bad information like when when paul calls because like you know that's the trope right is that a montage ends whenever a phone call happens and it's someone who's threatening someone on the other line like that's so it's just it's the setup it's it's a, it's a natural cadence of how montages and bad news arrive mm-hmm. and they got to do it they got to do it it's written in somewhere speaking of music does the blood thing get played in this episode at all I mean, it's always the end credits, but I don't think it gets played during the episode proper. Yeah, this kind of broke a streak of that. I mean, nobody dies in this episode. Except for Dexter's dad. <laughs> well, I mean, he dies off screen, and uh, the other guy dies off screen too. The guy that Doke shot first. Oh, that's true. And we do kind of have an insinuation at the end of somebody dying, but we'll get to that, I guess. But yep. that would have been a good yep. spot for the blood theme. That's so quick, though, that just going into the end credits is probably enough. Um, but yeah, so then Dexter's out uh, stealing people's garbage space, and Deb answers Dexter's phone. It's Masuka telling Deb the de- results of the DNA test. 
Uh, Deb confronts Dexter about getting DNA tested, and it turns out that it was a positive match, that this man was, in fact, Dexter's father. Deb asks Dexter if he thinks that Harry lied. Dexter says, I think he knew something about him. And Deb gets really upset. She feels like she's losing Dexter. The talk screen showed, said it is in Joe's system, but Rita says that there's nothing stronger than Advil in the medicine cabinets. And so Dexter's theory, once again, is that somebody sedated him and then injected him with diabetic insulin. There's a lot of uh, reaction shots to Rudy that look like that's exactly what he did. And Deb says, Jesus Christ, he wasn't even your family. So Dexter tries to appease Deb, and then he asks the neighbor across the street if there was anyone there last week, and she starts talking about a TV repairman. Uh, Dexter slips out of the house in the middle of the night to try and break into the morgue. Body's already been cremated. The world's largest security guard nearly catches him, but Dexter gets out and is rescued by Rudy. Rudy says, guess you weren't able to find out if he was injected with anything. Rudy suggests they dump the ashes at the bowling alley. And then Rudy gives Dexter a speech about how Joe was his real father. He keeps Dexter's behavior a secret from Deb. Then Dexter releases the ashes into, ashes into a massive cloud and then rubs them onto the grass. And it's why? Like, the dumbest. Like, he, he could have just poured them down his pants for his cover to see him and dust at the end of that. And there's nowhere to wash your hands. You're outside in a bowling alley. I mean, you're wearing those ashes for a while. That's Oh, yeah. Just imagine Rudy's car after that. Yeah, Or Rudy's got to drive home from Dade City with dead dad all over him. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly normal. Doesn't everybody dump ashes on the ground and rub their hands in and roll in them like a dog? <laughs> like, th- this scene is is perfect because to this point to the reveal of Rudy being the ice truck killer in last episode he has been a normal guy in this episode he is creepy and I don't know if it's because now we know 100% yes he's the killer and we're just looking at it more creepy but he just seems incredibly creepy in this episode. They make it so that if you go back and watch rewatch the episodes that came before, he's always like that. Yeah, I you always thought he was notice. creepy. Yeah. He's there's always something off about him. Um the the most noticeable one I would say is the one from the last episode where it sounds like Deb is getting like beaten up or something, but it turns out to just be a sex scene. Um, that's that's one of the more the more out there or obvious ones, uh, and that kind of leads into this one where she's just really exposed the first time that we see him, and they're playing creepy music, and he goes towards the scissors, and then he's just back to being his normal, you know, go along happy self. I think anybody who's that into prosthetics is creepy. Period. Yeah, I'm armed. Uh, Dexter uh, gets back into the house Rita asks him if she's okay or if he's okay when she sees him she found some of Joe's papers Dexter looks through them Rita asks if he finds any clues he turns over a handmade letter with a drawing of a blood syringe and the word thanks on it and it turns out that Joe uh, was the man with the rare blood type who helped Dexter out in a flashback it's revealed that Harry at first tried to discourage Dexter from riding the car but then promised to make sure that it found the donor I thought that flashback was a really good scene because 
obviously Harry wanted to keep Dexter insulated from his father, uh, but he also wants Dexter to be normal. And when Dexter's like, well, I thought that would be the normal thing to do, he immediately changes his tune. It's interesting because I, I get him being conflicted about it. What I don't get is why he actually delivered the letter. Right. I thought the same thing. Yeah, you would think he would just say, okay, I'll deliver it and throw it away. Right. Because he obviously has some sort of arrangement with this guy for him to have custody of Dexter. This guy must have, you know, surrendered uh, custody to him. So, you know, the less that they involve that guy in Dexter's life, probably the better, but... They bring him in for the for the blood transfusion thing, and then he gives him a card from Dexter, and it just seems like it seems like uh, pushing it. Maybe maybe the guy was not really that into being a dad anyway. So who knows? Yeah, I think I'm I'm still not necessarily 100 percent sold on the dad thing because of like yeah, I get it. He has an ultra rare, a rare blood type, and yes, Harry ha- knows someone, and like all of the pieces add up to the fact that he's supposed to be his dad but like we still don't know the story we know there's a story that hasn't been told yet of how uh how harry came to find dexter to get dexter because we knew that we you know it was said that he he got him in a situation or it was mentioned somewhere along the way like very subtly and so like i feel i guess it's like it's still the, it's still not there. Like there's no real birth certificate that states that this guy Joe whatever Joe Driscoll. You're uh, you're forgetting about the DNA. It's the Masuka, straight up like Masuka confirmed that his DNA is Dexter's biological father. Oh, I thought they were just. I guess they were just testing to see if it was the same blood type. Not necessarily the. You're right. The DNA situation. Yeah, uh-huh. they did a mitochondrial DNA and a and a tox screen. Fucking Masuka. So, Always yeah. Masuka. When in doubt, blame Masuka. And that's why Dexter's... Or that's why Deb's so pissed off, is because he went to Masuka and asked him to find out for sure. Uh, You're right. That's what Harry told him. Again, I, I missed that, because again, I, I didn't know if I had finished the episode or not. So you were, you were too have... busy snoring after the, after the Angel and Dokes thing was going on. I was just yeah. going to say, I watched it all, but I think I blocked out a lot of it because that storyline was so bad. Ricky tells Dexter that he was glad to get to know him a little bit. Dexter reassures Deb that they are fine. Uh, as Rudy's sitting in his car, the neighbor across the street recognizes him as the keyboard repairman. Only Rudy and the audience notice this. She tries to get Dexter's attention, but he just waves to her and drives away. Uh, Rita finishes putting her kids to bed. Paul shows up at the door and busts in, drunk and yelling at her. Rita tries to redirect him by taking him into her bedroom. Paul pushes her down on the bed, and Rita hits him in the head with a bat. She picks up Cody, and she and Astrid leave the house. Back at Dexter's apartment, he puts one he puts on one of Joe's records and looks at the card that he wrote. As Dexter talks, we see Rudy return to the neighbor's house, presumably to kill her. Which really, you know, this this old lady, she was totally trying to mess everything up for him. She just so. wants her matlock. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That bummed me out. That really bummed me out. You can't kill that little lady. She's lived a long life, and now she's going to die at the hands of that asshole. Well, it's either that or, like, five minutes later by her own devices. 
Okay, fair. <laughs> That's probably fair. You mean he's trying to kill her and then she falls and she can't get up? <laughs> or she would have had a heart attack because, you know, the doctor in that town, he knows right away if it's a heart attack. And even if he kills her, he's going to think it's a heart attack. He just takes her life lured away and leaves. Uh, <laughs> I want to listen to his more his uh, autopsy notes. You know, he's just like... Heart attack? He's like, Dr. <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm just a small town doctor, but this a looks small town like doctor for fifty years. Yeah, this is everything that he says. He qualifies with that statement. I'm just a small town doctor. Sometimes your planes up in the air confuse me. I think is that some kind of weird bird? But I do know what a heart attack looks like. <laughs> Everyone who has ever died in that town has died of a heart attack. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I honestly think that uh, if Rudy just fixed her TV, it would be easier than killing her. <laughs> and, and and he'd be off the hook. Like, she'd never even think about him again, but... It's actually much more interesting to think that he fixes her TV and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> We're just presuming he killed her. We don't really know. Maybe he did go fix her TV. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's heavily... heavily uh, <laughs> Imply that that's what happens. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember but, him having tools. But it would be funny if, like, at the end of the series, there's just like a you know after a credit shot of her like in her house watching her perfectly good television, sitting with her cats watching Matlock. <laughs> like she outlasted everyone all eight seasons, and she's just sitting there watching Matlock. It would have been a better ending. Oh yeah, and the- <laughs> well, she's uh, she's sitting there watching Matlock, and all of a sudden, an airplane engine just falls into her house. <laughs> And the doctor's like, I don't understand what happened here. It looked like she had a heart attack right before she died. He's a small town doctor, but this this airplane engine didn't come near her. I think she died of fright, a heart attack. (laughs) No, they really missed a they really missed a good shot with that one. With the uh, oh well, maybe next season. This episode was directed by Adam Davidson. Uh, Previously, he did uh, a short film called The Lunch Date, which won an Academy Award for Best Short Subject and The Palme d'Or at the 1999 Cannes Film Festival. He directed a lot of different television shows, and Dexter, he just did this one episode. Uh, After this, he made another movie called Shark, starring James Woods, which I'd never heard of before, and it looked horrible. Um, But he continues to be a very active working director in television. Uh, there was a movie? I remember there was a TV show called Shark with James Woods. Uh, maybe, it, I don't know. It looked like it was a movie. Mm. Um, the writer was Melissa Rosenberg. Uh, she wrote on some episodes of Smallville, uh, and she's the head writer for the first four seasons of Dexter. So she wrote or co-wrote 11 episodes across those first four seasons. After Dexter, she was the creator and occasional writer on Jessica Jones. Um, so this much maligned episode, as far as we're concerned, uh, was written by the head writer of Dexter for the first four seasons. Ouch. Well, I mean, the Father Knows Best stuff was was really good, but the, the Angel and Dokes thing was just like, why did this happen? What's... What possible purpose did this serve? We could have had Rudy, Dexter, and everybody just sitting there eating cereal 
for the 20 minutes that that was on the episode, and it would have been better. Yeah. So, yeah, um, what do you guys think for best line of the episode? I thought it was kind of slim pickings. I went with when uh, Doke said the man is a fucking creep job about Dexter, but that was the best I could come up with. That is pretty good, but I have to go with, well, I may be a small town doctor. (laughs) 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 But, like, seriously, this this episode didn't have much in the way of of one-liners or anything that was... That was fairly poignant being said. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, how, for best line, I had, How did death turn into a couple's weekend? That was good. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, or, um, how, or was it, uh, how's Dear Dexter, uh, or Dear Dexter is dealing decently with his dead dad? Yeah. Just because it plays off of our podcast name and, yeah. you know. Jack yeah. Paul doing alliterations. Yes, yes. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, how about worst line of the episode? That one I had. Squeak, squeak! I did too. <laughs> so I hated stupid! That. Just Get like out of random, here, you... That random jerk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I, I got no arguments with that. Squeak, squeak. Masuka spoke in this episode, so of course I picked a Masuka line. Uh, the Crimson Wave line. Oh, mm. the Crimson Wave. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty much always going to be Masuka. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't make an Aunt Flo joke, so... It's, I guess. He doesn't get points for that. <laughs> it, it may be a lost terrible. piece of a... Maybe a lost piece of a prior episode, but I feel like uh, Zach stopped me from saying something perverted just by shouting Masuka. So that's like the thing you say <laughs> when someone's making a Masuka line is just Masuka! Uh, performance of the episode? I mean, this, this one was really heavy on Michael C. Hall. But even though I thought she was a bit over the top, I've got to go with Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah, my, my choice is Rudy. And I, I probably, uh, I'm a little bit more even tempered about it now than I was when I first watched the show. Um, I absolutely adored Rudy uh, as a character the first time I watched this show. And this being the first episode where we, we really know who he is and we see him working on you know two levels at the same time. Um, I really, really enjoyed that character a lot, and this is really like the first showcase of of Rudy, where he's not just a love interest for Deb; he's really somebody that we're paying attention to, uh, and he really works. And his his burgeoning bromance uh, with Dexter, it's it's so sweet. What's well, his end game? Any, I mean, that's why he's with Deb in the first place. So, uh, even though it was a terrible storyline, I went with Sad Tista. Because uh, I think I think Sadista is a great way to say his name now instead of Baptista. Uh, but uh, Sadista really did it for me with his uh, his uh, internal conflict to do the right thing uh, and be honest. Um, yeah, yeah cra- crap storyline, but still like I give it to Zayas for uh, 
Just really trying. <laughs> just really trying to make it work. <laughs> trying to hold it, hold those ten minutes down in the episode. Yeah, yeah. That was also oh, I picked. I picked the same one. Can't have the storyline, but you know, it, we get to see why he really is one of the favorite characters in the long run. I think. Um, I told my father I would be an honest man. <laughs> yeah, that may have been the worst line, though. Hello, my name is Satista. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> oh, man. I support us calling him Satista from now on. That's just... I, I vote yes. I vote yes. It's like if, if, if Deb is a hot dog... Stand. A hot dog stand, then She's not just a hot Sad-tista. dog. <laughs> She's a whole stand, buddy. She's the whole stand. The whole stand. All right, then. That will do it for us. Uh, Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll see you next time on Deeply Discussing Dexter. Bye-bye.